What's up, everybody? How you doing? Hello. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Daniel Cavazos. Uh, not to be clu- uh, confused with Daniel Vanderklok. We get confused a lot of times. That's, I think it's because we look alike. But uh, um, I get to uh, speak tonight, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm on staff here. I'm part of the pastoral team, and I get to lead in the next-gen ministries area, nursery, uh, children's, youth, and young adults. And so that's my, my focus, and from time to time I get to come up here and share uh, from my heart and get to share. And every time I do this, you know, I, I consider it an honor, and I always seek God, and my, my, my aim in communication is that I wouldn't just come up here and say something nice or say something that's really, you know, in, in, in time and style, but really just to get a message from God's heart. That's my heart, and I pray that tonight's message would bless you. I, I specifically pray that this message would bring freedom to your life. And so the last uh, couple weeks, Pastor Daniel Vanderklok has been in this series entitled Unclaimed Riches. And uh, as I was praying, I, I felt, hey, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do a part three. He did part one on identity. If you were here, you got to hear on that. Um, and then part two, he taught on access, having access and the, the position you have with, in Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to do part three, and particularly if you're taking notes, I want to share on the subject of protecting your peace. Protecting your peace. Ephesians 1, here's the, the scripture that is used for this series. It's, it is, is 117. It says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And we just jump right into the middle of a prayer from the Apostle Paul uh, to the church at Ephesus. And it's a really powerful prayer. And here's, here's this whole idea of this sermon series, Unclaimed Riches, is that Paul wasn't praying that you would get these things, but he was praying that you would know these things. That you would know these things. In other words, uh, you don't have to pray and strive and ask God to give you these things because they already belong to you. I don't know about you guys, but several times in my life I've had this happen to me where I choose to wear something that I haven't worn in a long time. Whether it's my jeans, maybe a jacket. And as I'm going throughout my day, I happen to just reach in the pocket and I find some, uh, some money. This is, uh, you know, this might be just paper to you, but it's valuable around these places. This is res, res bucks, res kids bucks. And if you are in res kids, this is some real money and you can buy some stuff with this. And so, you know, I, I've had that happen more than one time where, where you know, I, I, I feel like I'm wearing something. I didn't realize I had something in there that, that, that actually what I thought after I found it made me richer. And those are happy days, especially this happened to me, uh, particularly in the one time when I was in Bible school. And uh, it's one, one thing to be a, a college student. It's another thing to be a Bible college student because you're living by, like, extra faith. <laughs> and I was uh, uh, serving tables at this time and paying my way through school. And I was, uh, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And this one week particularly, I remember I was believing God extra because I, I was just, you know, having to, to, to pay everything myself. I was believing God. And I found, like, a wad of cash in one of my jeans that I hadn't worn in a long time. And how many of you guys know that's a good day? That's an awesome day. And you know what? The, the, here's the, here's, it's a simple illustration, but here's a powerful truth, is that that money 
did not start belonging to me when I just wore those, uh, the pair of jeans or that jacket that I decided to wear. The difference is that I became aware of what was already mine and I had access to that already. Now, the riches that Paul is talking about go way beyond what we can find in our wallet or we can find in our pocket like cash or coins. The riches that Paul is talking about, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about revelation knowledge. We're talking about uh, peace and joy and love and, and all these things that God has given to us freely through Jesus Christ. And here's the idea with this. So I wonder how many times we walk through life in fear and in and, and anxiety and our spirit is disturbed and our spirit is troubled. And all along we have peace in our pocket. And all we have to do is reach in and get it. I wonder how many times people or even ourselves sometimes we forget when we're walking in life where we feel like we're a failure and we can never amount to anything good. But inside of our pocket if we were only to remember and if we were only to reach inside that there is purpose, that there is destiny, that there is a calling in your life that God has given and has placed inside of you. And I wonder sometimes when we're walking in life and we're walking by and, 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 and you're dealing with, with suicidal thoughts or depression, but there's love and joy inside of your pocket. And I, I feel like from the Spirit of God that God is reminding us tonight that these things that I just mentioned, love and joy and peace and, and wisdom and revelation, aren't things that we have to strive and ask God for, but there are things that already, already belong to us. And all we have to do is reach inside and just believe it and take, and take it and use it in our lives. I believe that God has already given to us under our name amazing riches. And so tonight I want to dig a little bit deeper in this idea of Protecting our peace. So Ephesians chapter 2 says this. For he himself is our peace. And I just want to pause there. He himself is our peace. And the context of this scripture is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. In other words, the presence of Jesus is the presence of our peace. The presence of Jesus is the presence of our peace. Now, uh, if, if, if you wanted to know what my message is all about, and you want to say, hey, if I can get your message in a sentence, here it is right here. That without Jesus, there is no peace. And if you have an area in your life that lacks peace, all you have to do is invite Jesus in that area, and by inviting Jesus in that area, you are inviting peace into that area of your life. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, for unto us a child, this is a, a common, you know, verse that we read around Christmas time. Uh, it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and say it with me, Prince of? Prince of Peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Now that Hebrew word prince is the word sar. And that, you know, to kind of break this down, to understand this a little bit better, Prince of Peace is Sar. That Hebrew word is Sar, which means Lord, Chief, General, or the one in charge. That is what Prince of Peace. Sometimes we, we you know, we hear the word Prince and we think about like a, you know, a Disney Prince. And it's like, oh, that's a nice thing. You know, he's like, he's come, he's my Prince Charming. Well, well, Jesus is not just that 
Prince Charming, but he is a chief. He is a general. He is the Lord. That is what this, mean, this word means. And peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, and contentment. So you can say it this way, that Jesus is our chief of rest. You know, many times when we talk about rest, we think about that we need to sleep more. But how many of you guys know that you can sleep more and still wake up troubled? True biblical rest only comes through the presence of Jesus Christ. He is the chief of rest. He is our general of contentment. He is the one in charge of our tranquility and our wholeness. That is what it means to say that Jesus is our prince of peace. Now, there can be turmoil. There can be despair around you. But because Jesus is within you, you can experience peace inside of your life. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 13 says this. Then suddenly there appeared with, an, with the angel an army of the troops of heaven, a heavenly knighthood, praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with, him, with whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill and of his favor. This is one of a, a, a scripture that is really uh, taken out of context and misunderstood. You know, this, again, this is kind of around the Christmas time that we hear these scriptures a lot, and we might not hear them otherwise, but, you know, it, you might hear it in a song or maybe a, a, a greeting card that says, Peace on earth. Right? You've, have you heard that before? Peace on earth. Or like, oh, we, we have peace on earth and good greetings and peace on earth. But the Bible, the scripture says, and on earth, peace towards men. And that is, that is very key and crucial to understand when we talk about peace. Because peace, you know, as the world defines it, is a lack of war and every, there's no violence and everyone's getting along and there's no hatred on one another. But really, that's not biblical peace as far as what we can experience. Now, there will be a time where Revelation, the Bible says in Revelation, that a, that a new Jerusalem will come down on this earth and Jesus will establish his kingdom. He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen, somebody. That is, that is when we'll experience peace on earth. But until then, the good news is this, that on earth, peace towards men, and particularly those who have found favor with God. In other words, not just any man, not just any woman, but a man or a woman that has Jesus, that has the presence of Jesus, you can have peace in your life. And that is the good news, that we, can, we don't have to wait until that time where the time comes where, where Jesus will establish his reign on earth and he'll lock Satan up in the lake of fire. And there will be no more violence. There, there will be heaven on earth literally for everybody, whether they believe in Jesus or not. But now we have this, this amazing opportunity to bring Jesus in our life and experience peace. Peace is not trouble never finding you and everything going your way. That is not peace. Peace is finding rest and contentment in the good and in the bad. Peace is not controlling every outcome. But peace is having trust inside your soul. That is peace. And again, the only way this is possible is because God the Father has given us Jesus, his son. Psalms 29.11, here is a promise that you can remember that you can receive for yourself. 
And that is this, the Lord will give strength to his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. His people with peace. That is a promise that you and I have. But here's the thing, again, in line with this this sermon series is that we have to protect this. Sometimes we, you know, and, and it's, either, it's either one of two things. It's either one, you never come to the revelation knowledge and you never know that this is already given to you. And if you don't know it, then you can't use it, right? Or sometimes in most cases, especially to this crowd that I'm speaking to tonight, it's not so much that we don't know, but it's we get distracted and we forget. And we maybe forget to protect or maybe it becomes like now this isn't an old thing this is a you know shout out to the ushers and greeters that use this but it may feel like sometimes it is peace or or these things of our of our identity in Christ might just be locked up in a closet somewhere we don't realize that we forgot that this belongs to us until we take it out and we wear it. We say, oh, yeah, that's right. I do have this. This, is, this does belong to me. I don't have to fear. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to just, you know, come under subjection of the attack of the enemy. This belongs to me. And I, it is a promise from God that I am blessed with his peace. Why? Because I'm blessed with Jesus. So I want to break this down for us tonight. And share three areas where we need to protect our peace, where, where, the enemy protect, where the enemy attacks us in this area of peace. And the first area is that we need to protect our peace among each other. Or in other words, if you're taking notes, you can put down people. We have to protect our peace among each other with people. Other people, whether they mean it or not, have the potential to take your peace. Now, key word there is potential. That means that ultimately it's up to me. I get the decision whether my peace is taken from me or not, whether I allow my peace to go away from me or not. And here's what you got to know when we talk about protecting your peace among other people is this, is that you, this is a very powerful statement, you have to come to terms with yourself that you cannot please every single person. And I, I honestly feel, I don't say this just to say this, but I honestly feel that that's, that will set somebody free tonight. This idea of, of pleasing everyone and, get, have, and making everybody like you. You know, someone once told me here uh, a little while ago, they said to me, they said, hey, um, we were talking for a bit. He says, you know, I, I don't like you. And I said, why? He said, I don't know. And I just kind of like... Give me something to work with. You know, I didn't, I didn't say anything, you know, else. Like, is it my hair? Is it because, you know, uh, the way I dress? Like, you know, it, it's so natural to try to figure out why is it that people don't like you. And it, sometimes it's just as easy as, I mean, I don't know, maybe my name is the same as a bully, you know, from, from their childhood. Or, or I don't know. You never know what it might be. But, but, but the, the, the fact is that you can't give too much attention to this and too much energy to this. Because why? Because you will get stressed out. And your peace will literally be taken from you. The moment 
that you figure out how to get this person to like you, then, well, then now the other person that already liked you before, now you got them mad, and so you got to go back and figure how to, like, to get them to like you. And so you're just, just running around and stressed out. And Proverbs 22, 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Because at the root of being accepted and wanting to be accepted by everybody is this, is that we have an unhealthy balance and we are off balance and we are fearing people and we are not fearing God. And the Bible says that the fear of people is a trap. In other words, this is what it means. It will, keep, it will either keep you running in circles or it will stop you dead in your tracks. Either way, it will keep you from moving forward. When you allow the fear of people to dominate who you are and who you stand for. Wanting to be liked by everyone is a natural thing. It really is. And, and, and if I can be real with you, in my past, I have struggled with this. Like, I, I, I love people. I want to help people. I want to serve people. And it bothers me if we can't connect. <laughs> and I try to figure out how, what can I do and how can I make this work so that I can, we can connect and I can receive from you and you can receive from me. But the, that's the natural thing is to, is to want to be like. But the spiritual thing is to be true to who you are and to who God has called you to be. And if people decide to like you, then praise God. And if they decide to not like you, then talk bad about them. No. No, don't do that. Then praise God too then praise God too. We have to be reminded of this, that, that we are to fear God. I love this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Story in the setting is with King Ahab over Israel. He gets a hold of King of Judah, which is Jehoshaphat. And King Ahab's about to go to war. He's about to uh, get his, his, his troops together. And he calls Jehoshaphat to help him out. And as he does this, uh, the custom was for the king to, to inquire within the prophets if, this, if God would go with them, if God would give them the land, if God would give them the victory. Well, King Ahab in this time wasn't really in right standing with God. And so he kind of made it to where his prophets would just tell him whatever he wanted to hear. And you kind of, you know, in his mind, he was, he was shortcutting the system. He was bypassing, you know, what God's voice really was and, and it's true. And how many of you guys know that you, you might think you can bypass God's system, but you can never bypass God's system. You can bypass other people's system, but not God's. And so Jehoshaphat says, are there any prophets of the Lord here? And he says, yeah, there, there is one. There's Micaiah, but I really don't like him because he never tells me what I want to hear. He always tells me something bad. So that's why I just, I don't go for him. I just go for the guys that I collected and I kind of trained up and they tell me whatever I want to hear. And so because Jehoshaphat insisted, because he wanted his help, they inquired of Micaiah. And here's what it says in 18 verse 12. It says, then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now listen, he's prepping him. This is, this is hilarious. He's prepping him. It says, the words of the prophets with one accord Encourage the king. So please let your word be like one of them and speak encouragement. He's like, he's setting them up. He's like, listen, these guys are already telling the king good stuff. So if you come, just, just, 
Just encourage the king. Don't cause any problems. And here's what Micaiah says. And as I read this, man, it hits me right in my heart. Because I love this. I believe this is who we ought to be. I believe this is how we ought to stand. I believe this is what we ought to be for. Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. That I will speak. And it is a, it is a, it is a healthy boldness. It is a healthy position to say, you know, I don't care what he wants me to say. I don't care what other people are saying. And it's not just alone in that. It's not just this prideful, like, well, nobody's, not everyone's going to like me, so I can treat everybody the way I, whatever, you know, like, like wrong, and I can be a jerk. That's not, that's not this. This is not just not fearing people, but it's fearing God. And if you fear God, then you're going to treat people right. If you fear God, you're going to, if you're going to oppose what someone's saying, it's only because you are doing what God has called you to do. And you are saying what God has called you to say. And so it is, it, is a, it is a thing that we have to know when we protect our peace among people that it's impossible to please everybody and it's impossible to be liked for, by everyone. Here's the other thing about this, protecting our peace, is that we have to forgive each other. We have to forgive each other. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I found out that uh, somebody that I esteem highly that is a friend of mine, Someone that has spoken into my life. He's an older gentleman. He's in the ministry. I just found out a couple weeks ago through a mutual friend that he, I hurt him by something that I said. Or really more accurately by something that he thought I said. And that really messed with me. It really bothered me inside. It really like took my peace away. Literally, and it bothered me. I couldn't think about other things. And, you know, like, it's one thing if someone doesn't like you and you don't like them, and it's like, oh, it's, it's all right. You know, like, praise God. But it's another thing if it's somebody that you respect and that you love and somebody that has spoken into your life and now they're bothered with you, man, that has the potential to rob your peace. And, you know, if you did something dumb and if you said something you shouldn't have said, well, then there's that. But there's another, it takes another level when you're misunderstood. I don't know about you, but I really despise being misunderstood. It's like, I didn't mean that. I didn't intend that. I didn't say that. That's like, it's, it's tough. And, you know, I tried calling him. He wouldn't take my call. And so it's just like, oh, this is tough. It bothered me. And so what, is, what did we do with this, right? Well, what, the area that you lack peace you invite Jesus into that area because when Jesus comes in, when the word, because Jesus is the word, comes in, then we invite peace in this area. And as I prayed about it, because it's out of my control, the Lord led me to forgive him. And, you know, it's like, logically, you know, he, he misunderstood me, so he should forgive me. But that's not what God called me to do. And if, 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 if the spiritual thing here is to forgive, then forgiveness can bring more forgiveness. How many of you guys know that? When someone steps up to forgive, it makes it, it, it kind of clears the pathway for the other person to forgive as well. And so that's what I did is I, I forgave even though it was so hard. And I'll tell you what, 
The moment I forgave, the moment I left it, the moment I brought Jesus in is the moment that that burden lifted and that, that peace returned to my heart and to my spirit. And I would love to tell you tonight that everything is good and everything is nice, but it's not. But I have peace inside of my soul. And that's the important thing. Here's the thing about this is you got to forgive now because you may be the one that needs forgiveness later. And listen to this. Unforgiveness is not worth exchanging your peace for. It is not worth it. You literally, when you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, you withhold peace coming into your life. And Jesus has called us to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 11, sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, with people, it's people don't like you or people misunderstand you. But here's, here's really what it comes down to many times because we are, this is a spiritual life we live. Matthew 5, 11 says this, Bless are you when they revile, they persecute you, and they say evil things about you. Falsely, for my name's sake, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. It's like, oh, that's hard to do. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Sometimes you will be hated and you will be mocked. You will be talked about simply because you fear God and because you carry the presence of Jesus in your life. And that is all. And you've done nothing. You've said nothing. And the only reason that you're not liked is because you're a follower of Christ. And the enemy knows that. And he'll do anything and even move among people, whether they know it or not, to rob your peace from you. So protect your peace from people, among people. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes is uh, protect your peace not only with people, but also when we face problems. When we face problems. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled Neither let it be afraid. Here it is. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you something. It belongs to you, but you got to protect it. You got to guard it. You got to guard your heart. You got to guard your peace. You got to protect your peace. When we go through problems in our life, um, or, or really, you know, I like to illustrate this in the idea of a storm, is that that, that storm or this problem will threaten you in one or three areas because because we are a three-part being. It will, it will threaten you either physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And many times, it's a combination of two or even all three. And, and um, this illustrated well in Mark chapter 4 when, when disciples are crossing over and they are encountered with a storm. Uh, so Mark 4.35 says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were, boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You have the physical storm, you have the emotional storm, and you have the spiritual storm. And really, this is the storm within the storm. 
The storm that was on the outside was the winds and the waves, and it was attacking their boat. It was attacking their vehicle. It was attacking their life because if the boat goes down, they go down, right? There's a threat to their life. But this storm, which is the waves and the sea, the winds, actually created a storm within the disciples, and they became afraid. And here's the thing that it did here that, you know, okay, physically, it threatened their life. Right? Because if the, if the boat crashes, they're, they're done. They don't, they don't survive this um, potentially. Obviously, that's what they believed. It, affect, it attacked them emotionally because they're full of fear. They are afraid that they're going to die. And now they're, they're anxious. They're afraid. They're fearful. They're, they're running around. They don't know what to do. They're like, Jesus, where are you? This man is sleeping. How is he sleeping when we're perishing? Thirdly, they, they, it attacks them. The storm is spiritually because they question their relationship with Jesus. And they literally asked Jesus, do you even care that we are perishing? When we face storms in our lives, a storm outside of us can attack us. It can be a, a report. It could be something that, that hits us. Many times what happens is that there, that creates an inner storm within us that is emotional. Either we get fearful, we become anxious, we, don't, we, we start to have doubt. We start to, um, unbelief creeps in. And many times, the spiritual storm here that sometimes we don't pay attention to is that it affects our relationship with Jesus. And we begin to question God. And our theology becomes skewed. And we begin to think that God doesn't care about us. And God is not for us. And God is too far. God is asleep. Therefore, he is not concerned with what I'm going through. But it is a spiritual storm. And here's what Jesus says. I love this. As Jesus gets up and with one command, he says, peace. And in my margin in my Bible, and I looked it up in the, in the Greek, it literally means be quiet. It, it means quiet. It means hush. Like Jesus woke up and he just like told the storm to shut up. That's, that's literally what he did. And I personally believe that Jesus addressed both storms at once in one command. That he addressed the storm, which was the waves and the sea and the, and the wind, and he addressed the storm which was in the disciples. And he quieted everything with one command. And he spoke peace. He took authority. Here's what you need to know about protecting your peace in your problems. It is this. Two things. Are you ready? I really believe this is going to bless you. You know it. You just got to be reminded of it. You got to submit to God. And resist the devil. In any storm that you face, you submit to God and you resist the devil. If you are in a storm where you got a, a report about your health and you're going to live X amount of days, you submit to God and you resist the devil. If you are in a storm and you feel like you're distant from God and you're spiritually dry, you submit to God and you resist the devil. Well, how do I know if this storm is from the devil or how do I know if it's this storm is because something that I did and I'm in disobedience and I, I lost cover and I'm no longer under the authority of God. Well, you submit to God 
and you resist the devil. What happened with Jonah? Jonah was in a storm literally because he ran from God. And until he submitted to God, that storm ceased. Just this week, uh, my, my daughter, one of my daughters had this thing on her leg and it looked, it looked, you know, the natural thing to do, which we shouldn't do. We know this. We look up Google and it's like, it's the worst. They give you the worst of the worst of the worst. It's like, it's like, man, I have this cough and it's not going away. Well, you're going to die in two days. You know, like, it's like, I just have allergies. This is crazy, Google. But the natural thing to do is like, well, what is it? You try to figure it out. And, you know, and, and, and when you do that without the word of God, and you, you have this tendency to, to create a storm inside of you. And you begin to doubt and you begin to be afraid. And it's like an, it's a, it's an attack against your physical body. And it's an attack now. Now you start to become anxious. And, well, what did we do? Well, it was a great time to practice what I'm about to preach. <laughs> and we got together and we submitted to God. And we resisted the devil. And she's doing great. And it, it, what does that mean to submit to God? It literally means to come under his authority. It means to come under his authority. It is to submit to God. It is, it is to, to believe his voice over any other voice. Even though I feel the waves hitting me, I believe your voice. And I stand on that. Even though this is very, very complicated, and I don't know how we're going to get through this, I submit to you, God. I trust you. I choose to believe you. I bring your word. I speak your word. And I begin to rebuke the enemy. Because the Bible says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we have something to do with that. We don't have to just take that. We can rise up like Jesus. And just because the the waves are hitting your boat and it's causing you to be disturbed emotionally and spiritually, it doesn't mean that we have to take it. We can stand up and we can speak the word of God. We can speak peace into our problem and into our situation. And we can change it, just either the storm inside of us and or the storm that surrounds us. We can have peace in that. And, And the enemy tries to take our peace away when we go through problems. Here's the thing about this about problems, is that in storms in life, they were on their way to somewhere, right? Right before that, Jesus was, was, was with the multitudes, and he said, let's get into this, and they were about to go across the sea, and that's where he ministered to this guy that was demon-possessed. On their way there, they're, they're, they got a storm. Here's the thing about storms in life, and just trying to get perspective here and maintain your peace, is that that you will, in protecting your peace, that in the storm and in the problem of life, chances are that there is something, there is an attack against your purpose. There is an attack against your purpose. There was a purpose for these disciples in Jesus that God had for them, and a storm came. If you have a bad report about your health, there's probably, it could be an attack against your purpose. If you have a, a storm against the relationship with Jesus, it's probably an attack against your purpose. If you have a storm and an attack against your emotions, it's probably an attack against your purpose. And so what do you do? You submit to God and you resist the devil. Every time. Every time. Well, I've been doing that. Well, you continue to do that. And you continue to submit to God and resist the devil. Here's the last thing. And that is this, that we have peace, we have to protect our peace in our position. And particularly in our position with Jesus. 
If it's not every day, then it's every other day that the enemy is accusing you and attacking you of who you are and who you are before God. And here's what the Bible says. As I close here, in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Now, you might not understand this fully until you understand a little bit about the old covenant and what people had to do and what had to be established for people to have peace with God. There had to be bloodshed at least once a year for there to be peace with God. Otherwise, there were enemies with God. But Jesus said, or God said, I will send my son and there will be bloodshed once and for all. And because of Jesus and only through Jesus, you will have peace with God Almighty. Ephesians 2, 14, the verse that we started with, says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. We have peace with God. And we have to protect this position because we are accused. The Bible says that the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. And so many times, it's not only just people, it's not only just problems, but it's our own thoughts, it's our own heart, it's our own words that we're hearing over and over that say, I'm not good enough. I didn't read the Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray long enough. I didn't use the right words. I need to sing better, worship better. I need to go more. I need to do more. And you will always fall short because you cannot do enough for God to give you more peace or love you more. You cannot say enough. You cannot do less because it's all in Jesus Christ. And the good news is this, that he is our peace, and through Christ we have peace with God. You are a son, you are a daughter of God if you have Jesus in your heart. And right now what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray. Number one, I'd like to pray for all of us here today. And I just want to ask you this question. As I, as I just taught a little bit, was there something that you connected with that you would say, you know what, I, I need that peace in, my, in that area of my life. Would you raise your hand? And one of these areas say, yeah, I need peace there. All right, we're going to pray right now. Just that, that God, that this word would be made alive and that, that Jesus would be invited in your area of wherever you need that peace. So let's go ahead and do that. Father, we thank you right now. Would you raise your hand if you just believe in God for peace? Father, we thank you right now for your promises. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that you will bless your people with peace. And so we speak that right now in the name of Jesus. Would you say this with me? Would you say, Jesus, I invite you in this area of my life where I lack peace. And I thank you as you come, you bring peace. I submit to you, and I bind the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just as we are, I want to give an opportunity, whether you're here tonight or maybe you're watching online, to receive Jesus in your life. 
Now, I don't know about you guys here that have received Jesus, but I can say this, and I'm sure you can say this too, that the moment you received Jesus is the moment that changed everything. Just burden, weight lifted off, and it's like, ah, I don't know how to explain it. Well, it's peace. You've received peace in your life. You you received Jesus, and you received love in your life. And if you haven't done that, then you can never experience peace until you experience Christ. So if you're here tonight or if you're watching online, I want to just invite you to receive Jesus in your heart. And what, how we do this tonight is I would just love everybody to pray together. And if you're praying this for the very first time, I'm going to stand right here and after service, would you come find me? I just want to get to know you and I want to pray with you and maybe give you some, some uh, literature and some books to help you along the way. So if you, that's you tonight and you're saying, I need to say this prayer, I need to do this, and it's the first time, we're going to join you together and we're going to do that. And same thing online, would you let us know? So let's do this. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised on the third day, that you will be saved. You'll be saved from this generation. You'll be saved from hell. And you will have peace with God. So let's do this together tonight. Church, let's do this all together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me and to pay for my sins. And tonight, I receive this. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you that I am received by you. I am now a child of God and I will live for you from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you give it up for those people who made that decision?